Welcome to episode 52 of the Night Shift as things continue to move. So much stuff to get to. We had the OHL priority selection, and we also had the London Knights and the Sarnia Sting advancing to the Western Conference final. My name is Mike Stubbs. Kyle Grimard is here. And Kyle, we've got to do some math on this in just a second. You can find us on socials at Stubbs980. At Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find the show wherever you happen to get your shows. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on globalnews.ca. Okay, so Kyle, help me out here because I've been waiting for something for a long time now. Longer than anyone on the Knights roster has actually been on the earth. I've been waiting for a London Sarnia playoff series every single year. We talk about this, so I'm I'm still trying to put my head around this. The Knights advanced with a shutout win over the Kitchener Rangers in Game 5 on Thursday night. The Sarnia Sting advanced, beating the Saginaw Spirit 4-0, so a shutout win for them on Thursday night. They swept the Saginaw Spirit. In the Western Conference Final, how many teams are there? Is it is it true that there are only two? If that is correct. There are, in fact, two teams, Mike, and it will be for the first time since 1999 that these two teams will square off. And it is the first time ever that the Sarnia Stinger into the Western Conference Finals. That is a stat that actually I found out from you because I was thinking there's no way they haven't been to the West final before, but that is in fact, correct. They have never been to the Western finals and this will be the first time. And of course they're playing the London Knights, you know, who are one of the top two teams in the West. Sarnia was easily the hottest team in the OHL as this season ended going on a 17 game point streak outside of the very last game of the season where they essentially rested all of their guys. But this is, these are two teams that combined in these playoffs have lost a total of three games. So Something's got to give here, Mike, and this is going to be an incredible series. The battle of the 402 is officially on. You have to wait no longer, Mike. It's here. So they're not re-ranking teams. They're not going to throw a curveball at anybody. This is London and Sarnia. It is official, and the first four games of the series go this way. It will be Friday night, which will be April the 28th yep. in London. It is Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., April the 30th, in London. Then we go to Tuesday, May 2nd, in Sarnia at 7 p.m., and Wednesday, May 3rd, in Sarnia at 7 p.m. And the Knights do have a pre-sale, and it's lasting until Tuesday at 5 p.m. So you can get in on club seats and lower bowl seats. And here would be my recommendation. I really think there will be people hanging around outside the building looking for ways to, I don't know, sneak through the cracks of the building in either Sarnia or in London to try and find their way into a game. These tickets are going to go. There was a big contingent of Sarnia fans who went to Saginaw for game four. So best thing you can do is go to LondonKnights.com, get in on the pre-sale, and make sure that you get tickets to game one or game two. And as far as getting them in Sarnia, good luck. I mean, not many cities can say this and it actually makes sense. Kyle, that city is buzzing. Oh, they are buzzing. And then some, this is about as good of a team as they have had in well, 
you could probably say ever considering this is the first time they're making their way to the Western conference finals. But you look up and down that roster, they added at the deadline. They have a top, they have two top five scores from the regular season and Ty Voigt and Sasha passage They've got a world juniors championship goaltender in net. They've got, studs all over on the defensive side of the puck as well. This is about as complete a team as London will play. And from, as we were talking about it, going into the postseason, it was almost inevitable that these two teams at some point were going to match up. A lot of people, like we mentioned, maybe thought they were going to match up in the second round with Windsor, you know, having the upper hand being the one seed against an eight seed, but Kitchener completely erased those plans. So London got Kitchener Saginaw who found a way to beat Flynn and Saginaw got some second round experience. Sarnia took care of them. So now they meet up. And I feel like this is very fitting, Mike, for these two teams to meet up in the Western final. These were two of probably the best teams in the Western conference. And it only makes sense that they play each other to see who goes to the OHL finals. Well, here's what we're going to do later in the week. We'll run down the sting in a big way so that you know exactly who's who we'll yeah. talk about what the Knights have done to this point in the playoffs, but we want to certainly take a look at how the Knights got here, how the Sting got here. So Lee Cunningham will help us out on the podcast today with how the Sting got here. First, let's zero in on the London Knights because the Knights earned a four-game sweep of the Owen Sound attack. Then they went up against the Kitchener Rangers, who were the first eight seed to sweep a number one seed in the playoffs. Wow. And the Knights, Kyle, game three was sure – a pivotal turning point for Kitchener in that they thought they got themselves going. They thought they got themselves back into that series with a pretty convincing 6-1 win. The Knights then came out in game four in Kitchener and in game five and shut out the Rangers. And in game five, held them, Kyle, to 16 shots. It had to be one of the best defensive performances that I had seen, honestly, all year long. And maybe it's a little biased because we watch a lot more London Knights hockey than other teams. But even when the Knights went up to Ottawa to play the 67s, even when they went to North Bay to take on the battalion, they're so good at, at controlling the front of their net. The system and how the London Knights play defense in those two games, specifically game five, you watch them and, you know, Kitchener had the puck in the, in the offensive zone in London's end. But everything was on the outside. London's moving their feet. They're handing guys off in this like zone defense. And anytime that they tried to get a shot through, Jim Van Horn uh, pointed it out on the uh, on the broadcast, Mike. He said, you know, they couldn't get anything through on the point. They essentially eliminated point shots and, and forced Kitchener to go down low and try to go to the front of the net. When they did, the defenders, the, the, the forwards cracked down and they gave them nothing to work with. They found this system that was as well executed as we have seen and they played it to perfection denver barkey two goals in the game here is denver barkey on winning game five yeah obviously uh the first period i feel like we didn't really bring our legs or, or bring our game so uh, yeah we kind of talked about that in the room going into the second period just stick to our game um kind of get in on the forecheck and yeah once we started going um obviously the fans are fans are great like always and i feel like that just gives us momentum as well just hearing them go crazy and and when we score, we kind of just keep going. Uh, we kind of rally off off the last goal, and, and I felt like once we scored that first goal, we just we kept that energy and, and we kept rolling with it throughout the game. Talk about the commitment on this team to doing everything that you need to do as well as you can do it. Yeah, I feel like we have a really good mix of guys. Um, everyone's kind of bought into their role, which is which is always uh, key to a winning team. Everyone buys into their role. And I feel like yeah, like we got guys that uh, they know their role and they're willing to. to 
play in order us for, uh, in order for us to win, and I feel like that's why we've been so successful this far in playoffs. Finally, the last time the London Knights and the Sarnia Sting met in the playoffs, it was six years before you were born. Now it it gets big. What do you think of playing Sarnia? Um, yeah, kind of. Obviously, they're a really good team. Um, we had a pretty even series with them uh, during the regular season, and yeah, I feel like we're looking forward to it. Um, we got home ice advantage, which I think is huge again. And um, yeah, we're kind we're, we're looking forward to it. We're gonna enjoy this, and 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 then start to focus on Sarnia next week. You don't expect guys who are 17 years of age, Denver Barkey. Easton Cowan, you look back on the blue line, Sam Dickinson is 16. You look at the roles these guys have really gone into. And Denver talked about talked about that. The roles, everybody is saying, yeah, this is what I can do to help this team to win. How key is that, Kyle? It's it's so important because when you got when you have guys that try to do too much, it's not it's not, you know, a bad thing because a player has the heart and they want to help out in any way, shape or form. But I think what's been drilled into this team is, listen, this is what your best attributes are. Use it. You don't need to be the most physical dominating presence. If maybe you're on the smaller side of players in this league, if you're a younger player in this league, if your if your skill set is speed and skill, use it. And what the coaching staff has done is they've paired players with either similar players that mesh or they bring in a player that offsets what they bring and brings that element. So maybe you're getting a more physical presence in a maximum cue on a line with a guy like Easton Cowan who can shoot the puck almost like a pro player. And, you know, you got Max who is, you know, a centerman who can, he's physical and he's tough in the corners. He gets under their player skin and he takes attention away from maybe his other line mates. But I just think that the players on this team have bought in and one player that we talked about that has really done that is Logan Mayu, where he has he knows exactly what he brings to this team. Now he does a lot of things phenomenally well, Mike, but I feel like he has really simplified his game and he goes, Oh, I don't need to skate through four guys. I can just chip it out of our own end and then try again the next time. I'm gonna do that this time. Here's Logan Mayu on the Knights going eight and one through two rounds. It starts with Brosha, obviously. I mean, look at the hockey he's playing right now, it's unreal. So uh but, I mean, all the Ds, 6, 7, D, the whole series, I mean, we've all played well, so uh, it's taken a whole effort, and uh, we did our job, and we got it done at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, we just executed. You now know it's Sarnia next. How's everybody feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, we're excited, definitely. I mean, it's Western Conference Finals, so it uh, should be a good one. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's the two best teams in the West meeting right now, so uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. London Knights defenseman Logan Mayu and... He's somebody that is logging an awful lot of minutes. Oh. Somebody that, as Kyle says, has simplified his game, but he, he has so many different elements to his game. That big shot that he has, the physicality that he can bring, the awareness that he has. He'll rush the puck at times. Oh, and if you need him to score from his own end into an empty net, uh, yeah, he can do that too, Kyle, to finish off a series. Gosh, he really can, and that's exactly what he did against Kitchener, and you know, the leadership that he brings to this team as well is just so vital and integral. And some of the other guys that bring it to Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey that came over in the trade from Hamilton and a guy they signed in the offseason, Mike, and George Diaco, who is now back in the Western Conference Finals. He's back in the championship series, and he is another very integral piece as to why this team is 8-1 so far through two rounds. Yeah, it's really hard. It's... um a lot of tough games coming through. Every team was good this year, so especially this year was really hard, but it feels great to be back here. What helped you to close it out? 
I just think Broch stood on his head again. He played an unbelievable game. I thought we played like we did the first two games, strong, full 60 minutes. And um, I think the team wanted a lot more than them tonight, so that's why we won. And growing up in London, you know London Sarnia. I mean, last time they met in the playoffs, you weren't born yet. Nobody was born yet. So now you play them in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting for sure. They're a really good team over there, but I, just, I like our chances going in this game, and we just have to play like we've been playing. George Diaco, co-captain of the London Knights. And if you heard Diaco just there and Logan Mayu, they both pointed to a certain individual, Brett Brochu. Brett Brochu had a shutout in game one of the first round and then a shutout to close things out. And then back-to-back shutouts. Here are thoughts from Brett Brochu, who has four playoff shutouts now in nine games. Obviously, like, I'm not going into every game um, saying I need to get a shutout. Like, that's obviously my goal. But um, my goal is to, to win hockey games. And, and if that means me letting in zero, then, then that means me letting in zero, you know? I'm really happy with the way our team's trending, and, and we keep getting better. So, um, yeah, that being said, um, we move on to Sarnia, and, and they're a really good hockey team over there. So I think they're going to be the hardest team that we've played so far. Um, you know, they're really front-loaded and, and got a good goalie on their on their team too. So, um, yeah, you know what? Like, we're going to we're gonna be prepared, and, and we got a really good coach, so he's going to prepare us uh, the best possible way. So Brett Brochu talking about how tough the Sarnia Sting are going to be. He gave a little synopsis. And we're going to go through their team, basically player by player, on our next podcast. But let's really talk about the Sting and how they have arrived here. Kyle, you mentioned the end of their season. 17 games with at least a point, and that was after the trade deadline. Sometimes when you bring in players, it just doesn't work. Exhibit A is the Windsor Spitfires. It just didn't work. Sarnia... It's worked. You look at these guys reacting after goals that they have scored. This team is pumped. This team is on a mission. This team is well coached. And this team is the Knights' next opponent. Well, and it's the players that they brought in too. And we talked about this with the Knights, Mike, but it's players they brought in that filled a role. And I think the difference between what Sarnia did and their players and maybe what Windsor did is Windsor brought in, brought in players who were the role, like the, the, go, the go-to guys, let's just say. So a guy like Shane Wright and, you know, he was all the attention was around this guy and he was going to lead the team. Whereas when Sarnia, the guys that they brought in, they fill a specific role because they had the Ty Voits, They had the Ben Goudreau's in net so they kind of filled out the rest of their roster with players that know what their role is going to be and like you said it's worked magnificently so far their first game their first series against the Guelph Storm it was a tough out they won their first three Guelph made it a series by making it three two and eventually they closed it off and then they rolled through Saginaw and we got to give some credit to Saginaw they had a hard fought series against Flint they roll into arguably the hottest team going into the uh, OHL playoffs and listen Sarnia was a little bit more experienced they got the best of a young Saginaw team I think Saginaw is going to be great down the stretch and like we said Ben Goudreau and Brett Brochu combined have seven shutouts so far in the postseason. So something's got to give. This is going to be a goaltending matchup, but it's also going to be a high-skilled matchup as well with the, with the talent that Sarnia has. And easily, each team's toughest test fittingly is in the West Finals. Lee Cunningham called the games the only other time London and Sarnia have met. He was calling the games as a London Knights broadcaster at the time. Now... Now he is behind the microphone for the Sarnia Sting, and he joins us to talk about the Sting and how everybody in Sarnia 
is feeling. Well, uh, it was historic, to say the least. And uh, the good news for the Sarnia Sting players was they were able to celebrate in front of a lot of fans that traveled down to the Dow Event Center last night for that finale. And, uh, you know, uh, they got better as the series went on, without a doubt. The two games in Saginaw, uh, Benny Godreau, I I've never seen him play any better. He's crisp. He's focused, and, uh, I, you know, I think he took to heart the matchup against Tristan Lennox, who was playing some very good goal himself. So, uh, you know, it unfolded beautifully, and the fact that the Sarnia Sting and the London Knights, uh, for the first time since 1999, as we have discussed many times, is going to be a Western Conference final, I think is going to be tremendous for the region. Now I think we can understand it, though, Lee, because the universe has obviously been saving this up so that we got the <laughs> biggest stage possible i mean it, it wasn't probable when the playoffs began but western conference final well it, it, it's you know it really really is setting up to be a wonderful stage uh, it, it really is yeah I, I thought maybe the second round these two teams would meet uh, just based on the fact i thought windsor was going to have enough to beat kitchener but obviously uh, that didn't come to fruition but uh i you know i i just think that tickets are going to be very difficult to get I've had some requests. I've had to uh, potentially uh, snub some friends over the last 24 hours, but uh, it's just going to be a tremendous atmosphere in both venues. And I would suggest in London, uh, the fever for this series is just as high. Lee Cunningham joining us, voice of the Sarnia Sting, London versus Sarnia, starting one week from tonight at Budweiser Gardens. Lee the Sarnia Sting, as they've come through the playoffs, are you seeing things you mentioned, obviously Ben Godro and what he's done, but are you seeing this team grow and maybe perform at another level? I would suggest yes, and I think that first round test against the Guelph Storm was imperative for this club. Uh, the fact that the Storm were able to bring that series back to 3-2, I think really got the attention level of the Sarnia Sting. And uh, they were so tidy on the road in those games against Saginaw. Those first two games in, in Guelph, uh, they went down 2-0 in both of those games. They came back and won, but obviously Guelph took the other. But I think that test in the first round, pushing them physically with guys like Cooper Walker and Ben McFarlane and uh, you know Ryan McGuire and players like that, I think it was imperative for the Sarnia Sting to get that test, to get them seasoned for what was to come in the playoffs. Lee, in terms of what you're seeing and, and hearing, you mentioned buddies contacting you, but when you drive around Sarnia, do you know the Sting are deep in the playoffs? Without a doubt. There has been a massive campaign uh, soliciting businesses to uh, put their support on a marquee or however they can do it, and the community has obliged beautifully. A local donut shop has made its Sting version of the playoff donut, which I understand is quite tasty, but... Um, it, it's great. It's at a fever pitch and uh, so many members of the uh, corporate uh, uh, infrastructure in Sarnia has really taken to heart this team, not to mention the fan base. Well, we'll be breaking down how things may unfold for exactly a week until we get to find out how they are going to unfold. But you said it, Sting fans traveling to Saginaw to see this finish up, the business community involved. This is the way that it needed to be. See, we didn't need to waste it on a first round or a second round series. That that just that wouldn't have been worth it after the wait. 
You're, you're absolutely right about that. If we're going to do it, let's do this right. And let's have the winner proceed on to the OHL final. And I just think it's going to be a marvelous series. Obviously, the London Knights are playing very good hockey, a power play up around 30%. Uh, we talk about Benny Godreau, Brett Brochu's numbers are just as, uh, you know, fascinating really to uh, observe and what he's done and the shutouts that these two goaltenders have put together in the playoffs so far and, you know, getting great mileage out of young players like Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey. So I, I think it's a great matchup and uh, boy, oh boy, it's a, uh, it's difficult to pick a winner from the surface right now because I think there's a lot of uh, closeness between the hockey clubs. And uh, that was uh, true to form in the regular season, especially the last four games head to head. They were so good. And maybe we get more of those. Maybe we get seven more of those. All right, Mike. Sounds great. Looking forward to seeing you and Jim. And um, hey, let's let's get it done. Let's see what happens. That is the voice of the Sarnia Sting on Radio Lee Cunningham formerly a TV and radio voice of the London Knights, all about London and Sarnia, which is the focus on our next podcast. But Kyle, you can look back at a special podcast that we have on the night shift, which takes you through the first two rounds of the OHL priority selection pick by pick. And a lot of the players who play in the OHL as 16-year-olds Next year, we'll have come out of those two rounds, but we saw a great day for the London Knights. We saw a great day for the area. Let's just take a moment and recognize seven London Junior Knights who were selected. And those seven London Junior Knights started with Ryan Robrook because he went number two overall to the Niagara Ice Dogs. So congratulations to him. And then a couple of his teammates went pretty quickly. Aiden Young, who had such an OH or such a great OHL Cup, was selected by Saginaw. He'll be playing in the Memorial Cup next year. He went in the first round at number 16 overall. The Guelph Storm took Parker Snellgrove at 30. Ethan Weir went to the Kingston Frontenacs in the second round at 42. He's already been to Kingston. He's seen the city. They've got pictures of him. Him by the waterfront. Kingston also took Gavin Poole, who's a winger from the Junior Knights. Erie selected winger Tanner Ducharme in the 12th round. The London Knights selected London Junior Knights defenseman Braden Clark, and he's somebody that has high character, high compete level, and I think even though he's a 12th round pick, and you think it's hard for a 12th round pick to wind up in the OHL, I think Braden Clark has a shot at winding up in the OHL. We'll follow his career as we move along. And then the Elgin Middlesex Chiefs also had a really good day. They didn't have quite the year that the Junior Knights did, but the London Knights selected Noah Jenkin in the fourth round. He's somebody that can play the game any way you want to play it. He's already six foot three and 160 wow. pounds. He'll fill in a little bit, but he's a great skater. Matthew Kaprowski, who was Elgin Middlesex or Elgin Middlesex uh, Canucks goaltender this year, went to Owen Sound at number 72 in the fourth round. Peterborough selected defenseman Liam Lads in the fifth round, and then Zach. Irvin, who was another Canucks goalie, went to Sault Ste. Marie in the 10th round. And the other area player is a guy from Copenhagen. And you think, Copenhagen? No, not, not the one in Denmark, not the Hans Christian Andersen one. Copenhagen near Elmer. Cameron Reed, who had played with the Bishop Kearney Selects this past season, he's a defenseman, and he went 10th overall to the Kitchener Rangers, expected to be a very, very good player. So to close things out, here are some thoughts 
from London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson on draft Friday and Saturday for the London Knights in 2023. Simmer, you are finished with the draft. Does it help that it's over two days now, or do you not sleep either way? Well, you might not sleep because you're actually just thinking about, you know, what the what the first day was and then what what your kind of plan is going into day two. Uh, but it does definitely help because after the first three rounds, you get a little bit of a break to regroup, uh, kind of take the night to think about what you've done with the draft, talk to your scouts about it, and come back in the morning fresh and be able to kind of have a plan that you want to go somewhat uh, for day two. There are players who always have different choices in hockey. There are a lot of choices to make. You selected William Moore at number 18. I don't know if there's been a guy in hockey history who could say, all right, well, you know, I I have some choices. Uh, He has a place with the U.S. National Development Team program. Now he's been selected by the Knights. Oh, and he's also played Carnegie Hall as a pianist. So hockey or, or concert pianist that seems to be in the mix too yeah just an incredible young man with a lot of different varying talents I mean that's pretty impressive that you know at a younger age he was able to play at Carnegie Hall and that I think that shows uh, that he's capable to you know perform in front of a a large crowd or on a huge stage and I think that's a pretty amazing and impressive thing for a young man and just like in his you know, his hockey abilities, an incredible uh, player. You know, he would have been one of the top players drafted uh, if all things were equal and he wasn't set to go to the national team uh, development program in the U.S. And we were just incredible that, incredibly happy, I should say, that we were able to select him. You've seen, you know, opportunities like this before. Is there anything you can look back to? I'm thinking Max Jones was not a knight at 16, but he was a knight later. Could that be a path for William Moore? Yeah, there's lots of players and examples. You know, Max Jones is one of them, uh, came after one year. Um, You know, another one would be Matthew Kachuk on our 2016 Memorial Cup team that played two years and then came for 18 and had an outstanding season that year. I think he had 107 points. So there, there's been a history of players going to the program and then coming after and then having success here uh, with the London Knights as well. We are talking with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. You select a goaltender in the second round, a guy who got the Vaughn Kings to the OHL Cup. Tell us about Alexei Medvedev. Alexi, we are extremely excited about. Uh, you know, he's got um, good size already, six foot, and looks like he's got more growth to come. Um, but the biggest thing that our goalie coaches and, and goalie scouts loved about him, and we did, is he's incredibly explosive. His quickness uh, laterally or just even on his skates uh, is phenomenal. Very explosive, uh, can get post to post very quickly, and. You know, that's one thing that at our level from a minor uh, hockey, you know, level from a step up, I guess, would be you need to be able to move and you need to be quick because uh, the east-west passes and east-west movement is so much faster and he has that in his feet and just natural ability, um, athleticism. In the third round, you get one of the best names in the draft in Blake Aerosmith. 
And then you are also able to get a, a hard-nosed defenseman in P.J. Fagan. Tell us about those guys. Yeah, we just took Aerosmith for the name, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great name, but he's a he's an even better player, to be honest with you. And, you know, he's a big right shot, goal-scoring winger um, that plays heavy. You know, we watched him a lot. Uh, Billy Sullivan, our scout down there with Mark and myself, uh, liked what we saw in him. And he's one of those guys that you give him a chance, he can put it in the net. And in the regular season, you know, for the games that they had tracked for 15 games, he had 15 goals. So a goal game, which is pretty impressive. And he's just that, you know, big winger that give him one second and he's going to put it in the net. But he can also make plays. He drives the net hard. Um, so we're extremely excited about him. And then P.J. Fagan, uh, you know, is kind of a little bit of a throwback defenseman, plays very hard and physical, um, has great tools and talent as well, but you you know when he's on the ice. Um, he's going to make you earn anything you get offensively against him, and he's going to play hard. He actually played some uh, junior A hockey as a call-up as well this year. Um, he's a big body already, six foot, two hundred and five pounds. So he's he's physically strong enough to play, and we're extremely happy to be able to draft him as well too. We're talking with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. Rob, in your draft selections, you have a member of the Elgin Middlesex Canucks and a member of the London Junior Knights. Let's talk about the member of the Canucks, who is Noah Jenkin, and he was selected in the fourth round. With Noah, we're, you know, one thing with both those players, actually, I should say, is that, you know, when you're, they play in our organizations that are close to home, you get to see them a lot and you get to know, you know, more about the families, the character behind the scenes, and obviously watch them a ton. And, you know, with Noah, uh, he's a big six foot two, almost six three now defenseman that's, you know, incredibly light on his feet, uh, can transport the puck or, or pass it out of his own end quickly so, you know, he can break the puck out well. Uh, there's still more growth there in him. He's, you know, probably going to finish off about 6'4", I would imagine. Um, and you just can't teach the the skating size and, and passing ability that Noah has together as a combination. So we're extremely happy to, to be able to draft him. And um, actually, Easton Cowan played with his brother, um, on a on the Chiefs team back then a few years ago, so there is a bit of history there as well too. And then Braden um, Clark, you get from the London Junior Knights, also a defenseman. Yeah, um, you know, with Braden, obviously, uh, as the years went on, one thing that we liked is he's grown as the years went on. I think he started um, under six foot. He's now six foot tall. Um, you know, talking to Danny Sabret, who is his coach there, he raved about the character of uh, Braden, um, you know, how bad he wants it, how much he practices, he puts into everything that he's going to do. And, you know, he's just one of those solid 200-foot defensemen um, that can play any way that you want. And, you know, we're extremely excited to be able to draft him and both players from, from local areas. Um, we know both of their families, and they have, you know, strong, strong character, which is a huge thing nowadays if you're going to have a chance to play in the league. Rob, thanks so much for running down some of the names with us. Now, next up, we get set for the Knights and the Sarnia Sting. You ready for this? 
we're getting there. Day one was today with the guys back in and you know what, we're going through rosters and some of our pre-scout and everything. So, you know what, we're building right now towards being ready for seven o'clock on Friday. Can't wait. Rob, thanks for the time. Thank you. Knights Associate GM Rob Simpson on the OHL priority selection. We'll see some players who will arrive in London. William Moore is a guy really to pay attention to, Kyle. He was somebody who could have gone really anywhere in that first round, and you're taking a chance because he's a guy with a lot of options. Uh, He could certainly play for the U.S. National Development Team. He could also become a concert pianist. Uh, He's somebody who this past year actually missed a tournament because he was competing in a young Mozart competition. The guy played Carnegie Hall. So on the piano, played Carnegie Hall in a young Mozart competition, actually played a piece from Chopin. Not very often hockey and piano collide in that kind of way, but this is a special guy, special talent. And again, he's got a lot of options, but if he ever winds up in London, you're going to love it. Well, it shows the the mind of a young individual and, you know, where his priorities are. He's he's proud about who he is as a scholar, who he is and potentially as a musician and what he does with his extracurricular activities. But he's also, you know, a phenomenally talented hockey player. And, you know, he did, you know, have a quote, Mike. He said, it's amazing. He is so happy a prestigious organization took me off the draft board. I am excited to see what happens over the next couple of years. So there's definitely excitement from his end as well. And I know you guys broke it down with Jim Van Horn on the special um, podcast edition here on the night shift. You can go check it out and relive that, uh, you know, that process and hear your guys breakdown of it. And I know Jim is, has followed that as for uh, as long as he has and as, uh, as in depth as anyone does. So that would be a, a good listen to, if you want to go back and check that out. Absolutely. Otherwise we're getting set for the nights in the sting. Friday, April 28th at 7, Sunday, April 30th at 2, and then the Tuesday, Wednesday, May 2nd and 3rd in Sarnia. Those are the first four games, and we will have all of them for you on 980 CFPL. We will have coverage throughout this series. We'll break down the Sarnia Sting and the London Knights in depth on our next next podcast. And Kyle, I, uh, I'm having trouble sleeping now. I don't know what Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are going to bring. Go to LondonKnights.com and get in on that pre-sale that is on until Tuesday, April 25th at 5 p.m. to make sure you get tickets to these games. Oh, it is going to be just an absolute blast, and it's been a fun ride so far. And, you know, I'm excited to see who whatever holds. Whatever team comes out of this conference, Mike, I think is going to be deserving, but it all gets started on Friday. We'll do a deeper break down like you mentioned on thursday sounds good enjoy the week next podcast is one sleep away from the start of the western conference finals go knights go